1: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with progressive between june 2022 and may 2023 potential savings will vary discounts not available in all states and situations
0: all right
2: had it all the way right um, man that's just the nature of this thing it's the national football league uh, you're gonna be in battles, man. The more the most important thing is that you smile in the face of adversity and deliver the necessary plays. And you know, that's the silver lining in tonight's performance, man. We're up against it. Uh, a lot of it due to our own doing, but you gotta also tip your cap to the Bears, man. I just on the sideline I was just I felt like they gave me too much time. So felt like we could go down. We've got in my opinion, one of the best kickers in the league. So wasn't thinking about a touchdown, just thinking about getting us down to field goal range and um, everyone contributed it felt like everyone contributed on that drive
1: the pittsburgh steelers pull off a come from behind victory after blowing a 14.4th quarter lead in pittsburgh that was monday night's game it's tuesday it's pft live man with the small head is back i'm back baby chris sims mike florio you? here with you i'm doing great i feel good i wait well, hey and uh you know, it occurred to me this morning. The A- with the Steelers beating the Bears last night, there were eight interconference games right. this weekend. Right. The AFC was seven and one against the NFC, which is the only NFC team that won. Come on. Ooh. Come on. Uh, tick, 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 uh, tick 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 uh, tick I don't know who is tick, it? oh the Giants. The your dad the played for them the G
3: men. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes.
1: All the other ones, all the other NFC teams lost, all of them. You know, the 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 race for the seventh seed continues to be wide open in the NFC. The race for the sixth seed is in play again after the Saints lost, but Saints didn't lose to an AFC team. Seven NFC teams lost to AFC teams, and the Steelers capped it with that victory last night over the Chicago Bears. It was one of those games where early on it just felt like it was going to be kind of like Colts-Jets that started week nine kind of a slow suffocation with extended garbage time. And, man, I wish the Mannings were on last night so you know they could entertain us in a boring second half. Well, the second half was anything but boring. And you got to give the Bears credit for not folding the tents, for not giving up. They need to be encouraged by what they have in Justin Fields. Yeah, they didn't win. Giants are happy about that, too, because the Giants hold their first-round pick. Good news for the Giants every time the Bears lose. But they got to feel good about Justin Fields, right? Got to. I mean, got to. I, I mean, I look
3: at, like, all the quarterbacks that I rank coming out in the draft, and I look at Justin Fields and go, uh-oh, that might be the one I might be the most wrong about. I mean, first off, he's been pretty good from the start. I mean, yeah. You know, you, you, we, we talk about a lot, like, just the demeanor, you know, looking like, you know, the deer in the headlights, all that. The, that whole syndrome as the quarterback. Never have seen that from Justin Fields. And then I think last night, is as comfortable as I saw him. In a lot of instances in the pocket, making like big time throws. You know, the two throws we've just shown on the highlights, they're big time. This is big time down the middle. You know, to this point, I feel like a lot of his throws are kind of like manage the football game type of football throws. And every now and then it was a deep throw down the field. Like last night, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, they do a lot of different stuff on that side of the ball. And I know Pittsburgh won the game, no doubt, and we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But to me, yeah. Justin Fields was the story of the game with some of the plays he made. Got off to a choppy start like you said. They were a little all over the place shooting themselves in the foot. But once he got a little comfortable, man, you see the talent uh, moving around, making plays with his legs, threw some phenomenal footballs on the run. I mean, even the last touchdown pass he had to Mooney, you know, running to the left and just kind of flicking it with his wrist into the back left corner of the end zone. Uh, Those are things that I did not see consistently at Ohio State. In fact, not consistently at all. I mean, throws like that where I'd go, whoa, he lost control of it. So uh, good for him. And he was the star of the show last night, even though Pittsburgh Steelers won the football game.
1: He's got that deep ball that looks pretty. And I remember watching him play against Clemson in the college football playoff semifinal, whatever acronyms and letters and names they use. Two years ago. The big game against Clemson. No, just... No, just in January. Oh, you're right. It was last year. This it issue. was last year. Yeah. You're right, right. Yeah. It was for them uh, to fire Firing beat. the deep it, when, ball, looked yeah. great, got blasted in the hip, kept going. Um, you, and you forget about it because they lose in the next round as soundly as they did to Alabama. But, uh, you know, the, 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 this kid... Uh, This kid's got something. And we saw it with his legs against the 49ers, and we saw it with his arm last night, and just hung in there. And, you know, I felt bad for him. I felt bad for the Bears after all that work they did, especially because at times it felt like they were working against black and gold and black and white as well. You think? A little bit.
3: Uh, Yeah. I mean, shades of Super I'm with you. I mean, here, I mean, game-winning drive, ball hey, on the money Arthur, there. They, I mean, almost, figured yes. figured out
1: 35. They well, it was game-winning 35. drive Arthur to this point. Arthur was the guy to pick. Yeah, yeah. He to pick on,
3: yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, no doubt about it. He seemed to be the guy to pick on for sure. And, I mean, Justin Fields, though, this play right here, I mean, that that's sick right there. That was a tight window. That was not an easy throw. Uh, you're right. It's back to picking on him again. But either way, the degree of difficulty. And how many times did we see that last night about Justin Fields, like, you know, hey, nobody open or certainly, hey, the pocket's collapsing and he does a great job of kind of getting getting out of the pocket and, you know, saving the play from being a sack, maybe getting positive yards with his legs, uh, maybe getting a completion. Uh, but I, I thought it was really impressive from from that standpoint. And you're right. I mean, not only was the Steelers' D good, I thought the, the officiating, you know, was very suspect throughout with some very controversial calls. We're going to forget about them because there was like two or three at the end that were so bad that we're going to forget about the first three quarters that were actually really bad too, and that that to me was annoying watching the football game. I'll say that much.
1: You know, and this is a theme that keeps popping. It does up keep from popping time up to time, and and you don't notice it when the officiating isn't horrendous. You don't notice it, but when it's when it's bad, it's really bad, and it really does stand out. And they really do need to embrace strategies, creative ideas for improving it we harp on sky judge booth umpire but there are other ways to demand more from the officials before we get to that though the Steelers ability right to come back and win the game I I saw the graphic last night all-time Steelers 214 zero and two when leading by 14 points in the fourth quarter and I thought that one was going to get dropped in there I didn't think they were going to pull it off, and uh, you got to give them credit, especially the way they started the drive. It was kind of sputtery, you know. It was kind of clunky. Yeah, that final drive, throwing little short passes, the ball staying in bounds. You know, you, you can do that where one fifty ends up being fifteen seconds before you know it. And and it just didn't seem like they were going to get it going. And then uh, you know the next thing you know they're in field goal range. And 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 that was there was that sequence where on every play a Bears player was lined up in the neutral zone. It was just Uh, weird. Like what? How do you not have discipline in that moment?
3: I mean the whole the whole fourth quarter that was that was an issue for the Chicago Bears. I mean, at what point were they going to tell them like, "Hey, back up, guys! You're offsides." There was plays where people were offsides, and they stop. I swear they stopped calling it because they were like, "What? We've called it three out of five plays. We can't. It, it seems weird to call it again." You know, I think Lewis Riddick made a point of it at one point it was like, "The Bears lined up offsides again." I don't know. The refs just didn't call it. Uh, but you're right, clunky. That's the way to explain. I think the Steelers' offense in general. I mean, you know, yeah, didn't start off good. They finally found a little you know, slant down the middle that kind of exposed the Bears cover two coverage, found another one very similar to that. And all of a sudden there they were sitting pretty for field goal range. But that's like, that's to me, Mike, I mean, Steeler football right now. It's defense, it's clunky offense. They had the ball for 34 minutes in the football game and had 280 yards of total offense. But it doesn't matter as long as like, Big Ben and the offense don't screw it up. Now, we saw the special teams kind of screw it up. Yes. The the Steelers are going to be tough to beat. I think this is a few weeks in a row we've seen, though, when Big Ben just plays ultra-conservative, take the sack, who cares? All right, you got to punt it and play field position, and they play through their defense, and they're patient with the run. You know, it's not pretty, but it's Steeler football right now, and it's not gonna be easy to beat them when he can at least, you know, adjust to the game properly like we saw last night and, and like this graphic says the last
1: four games. It really stood out last night. Yeah. Him coloring within the lines. Right? The lines are different than they used to be. And you were harping on that when they started the season one and three. He thinks it's two thousand eleven and he can do things physically that he can no longer do. He doesn't try to do that anymore. So right. they figured it out. They realized he can't be the guy he used to be, and he needs to get that drilled into him. And And it's worked. It looks like it's, it's working. Worked. Yeah. I mean, right, there was a few
3: times where I last night, Mike, right? I mean, I know we were texting a little during the game, but, like, you know, there was a few times where – There's people around him, and it looked like he wanted to throw the ball and try to do something Big Ben magic like the old days, and he just went, I'll just take the sack. Or, oh, nothing's there. Let me throw it away and just get done with it. And, uh, hey, that's progress. Good for him. Glad to see that he's doing that. And, you know, Steelers, even though it's not pretty, on a little run right now and uh, gaining some confidence.
1: Another thing that isn't noticed when it's going well but stands out when it's not is offensive line play. Yeah. And the Steelers offensive line has gotten better. And you know, when the offensive line's working, you notice the running back, the quarterback and the receivers cuz they're doing great things with the ball. When the offensive line isn't working, you're like, "Oh, those guys don't know how to block." But the offensive line, which was obviously a work in progress to right. start the season with 80% turnover at the starting positions, now they're 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 respectable. They're getting it done. Yeah. They're getting it done. Right. They're a lot better than they were, and it's allowing the offense to operate, not at at the highest possible level, but high enough to complement the defense, and even to overcome the kind of special teams miscue that the Steelers usually have to force in a game like this to win. They give you a free seven on a fumbled punt return that's returned for a touchdown, and you're still able to win the game. Yeah, no. I mean, it gives them a fighting chance, the way the offensive line is playing. It
3: wasn't great last night. That's a good Bears defense, as we saw. I mean, how man, that Bears defensive line, especially when Akeem Hicks is in there, it's the real deal, Holyfield, right? I mean, it they made life tough on the the Steelers every time they had a third and one or second and short. you were just like, Man, can can the Bears stop them again? Especially in the first half and third quarter. It seemed like it was happening almost like every other, you know, drive for the most part. Um but I, I think it, it has gotten to the point where at least they can be patient with the run and Najee Harris. Yeah, it wasn't easy last night. But not every week is going to be the, the Chicago Bears front seven. That's for sure. That's one of the more talented front sevens in football. They got some big dudes up there. But you could see that it's good enough to wear, hey, two yards, three yards, two yards, three yards. They can manage the football game that way. And, you know, when they play a lesser front seven, I think it will even be more su- successful than what we saw last night. And I love the other aspect of, Mike, it's the second week in a row because we saw it in the Browns game, those little reverses and stuff. That needs to continue to be more a part of the offense with Claypool, James Washington, Deontay Johnson. They're too explosive at the wide receiver position. They can't really get them the ball the way they should in the pass game because of Big Ben and the offense still trying to find its way. So they got to do stuff to get them the ball. And and you know I always call it. And I think. Uh, You know, at one point, Lewis Riddick or Greasy kind of mentioned it, like Shanahan stuff with Debo Samuel,
1: toss sweeps, reverses, speed sweeps, get them involved. I like that aspect of the offense, too. They each had two carries, James Washington, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and one worked out, one didn't for each guy. But when it worked, it gained more than 10 yards. And Najee Harris had a 10-yard touchdown early. Other than that, he had 21 carries for 52 yards. Yeah. But but it just shows you they were patient with it, even though it wasn't busting huge are. chunks of yardage. Right. That's their formula. They're going to try to make it work. And if if you, if you hit a wall and you have to punt, so be it. We'll trust our defense. Yeah. And the defense, okay, hey, the defense let him down. At the end, it was fitting that the offense found a way to, to make it happen. I, I want to ask you something because yeah. I, I've noticed some criticism of Big Ben's quote when he said, they left me too much time. Should he have said they left us too much time? Is that, is that crossing the line when he makes it about him, or is that just that's the word that just happened to pop out of his mouth?
3: Uh, you know, maybe a little. I think it just popped out of his mouth. I think a little ego popping up there. You know, he's just letting you know, like, hey, I'm, I, I have done this before. I think that's maybe pro- – you know, he's frustrated. I'm sure he realizes the offense is not a, a well-oiled machine out there. Um, yeah, I'd like to hear him say us, certainly. But, I mean, come on, I'm not going to get too, uh, you know, uh, Twitter angry
1: at that one. Oh, there's plenty of other things to get Twitter angry about when yeah, we're we'll talking right, about them later right. in the show. Um, I, I was Twitter angry about this. We played it earlier. The, the third down run, the slow motion, Tin Man is falling apart run <laughs> yes. from Ben Roethlisberger. Right, right. I don't know why they didn't review that. It sure looked like the spot needed to be adjusted. It looked like a bad spot to me, and there was no discussion whatsoever. It shows you what power the broadcasters have, because if they don't mention it, it's like it never happened, no, like they're right. watching some other right. game. Yeah. That that should have justified a replay review. I it, it looked too close to not at least press pause, because the difference, especially for those, and here it is, there goes the tin man, need oil can he made it that's a horrible spot when the knee was down the ball was past the spot and there was no conversation about reviewing it and here's why it's important Christopher and you know this very well because it was one of your best bets let's say that the Steelers had gotten a first down there let's say the Steelers had scored a touchdown let's say the Steelers had decided to go for two to make it a seven point game because who cares if we're up by six we're up by five. Field goal doesn't beat us or tie us. If we get one, it doesn't make a difference. We're only up six. Right. got to go for two and go up by seven. Oh, they're six-and-a-half-point favorites. They would have covered the spread. That's why that's important. I mean, we could say, well, they still won the game. Right. But everybody who had the Steelers minus six-and-a-half with one of the sports books that happens to be an official sports betting partner of the National Football League, they're pissed off. If I'd have had money on the Steelers last night or – as the case may be, if I had been rooting against you.
3: Well, you were. To be right. Hard. Like I mean, I you're, br- you're bringing it up because you're why still why angry about it. I'm pissed off about it. So right. I speak
1: on behalf of everybody out there who had the Steelers laying six and a half. Why in the F-K did they not review that? Because he made it. It was close. I did not
3: think he made it. I did not. Review
1: it at least. Yeah, I can it. understand that. Oh,
3: I mean, yeah, I understand that. You want to review it? It's a big spot in the football game. Let's not just, you know, depend on – the black and white referees who were horrible up to that point to just come down the line and go, "Whoa, I'll go right here. That looks like it's Watch where it again. is." Watch this it again. Exact oil can,
1: oil can, <laughs> first down.
3: Right, it, it, Mike. It could have been a first down. There's no doubt. Hey, listen, I bet you the Bears. Oh, yeah, I look short. We the showed knee a few hits. replays where, it where I thought it a little short. Where's
1: the ball with the knee? It's all oh, the ball's over the line, Pete. But. The they, showed the line, they showed some but replays. They showed some replays. But watch the during spot. Watch the spot, though, the, where where the the guy on the line, the linesman of the the line judge, whatever it is, the head linesman of the line judge, it, it's behind where the ball was when the knee hit. Sorry, I didn't it, think it was it, a that's bad why spot have, either. Mike's that's just why you mad because he review.
3: I won the best match. He, he wants you to bring it up. Bet. Yes, exactly you right. Heard. But I mean, listen. Mike Turd. I mean, go ahead, Steelers, go for it. I mean, oh, go for the touchdown. You're so dangerous on office. The Bears were probably like, <laughs> give them the first down. They'll probably screw up and give us the ball again. That's you know, great. so uh, I mean, again, I don't think that Mike Tomlin was all that worried about it because he knows what his team is right now at this point, certainly. Uh, but that was a big time clutch drive right there. You know, but the thing you you brought up a little bit that I do think we have to hit on with the Steelers a little is just the fact of like. We've seen it rear its ugly head here as of late during this little four-game win streak of the defense wears out as the game goes on. So one thing that worries me is it's a it's a Super Bowl caliber type defense that the Pittsburgh Steelers have. It's creative. They got a lot of good front seven players. You know, Devin Bush continues to get better and healthier at middle linebacker, but you know, like the Seahawks game we saw on Sunday night a few weeks ago, you know, uh, you know, even a little last week in Cleveland, Cleveland kind of messed the game up with some late drives as they moved the ball down the field. And then last night, you see the Steelers' depth issues, I think, are a little bit of a thing to look at and concerning, you know, because it, like I said, it's they're missing some defensive linemen and you kind of see them wear out. There's only so many times you can rush the passer and just dominate the line of scrimmage in a football game, and I think that's one of the things I worry about them a little bit as far as the long-term outlook.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I don't disagree with that at all, but they've won four in a row after we wrote them off. I talked to Pat Frymouth after they beat the Browns, and he talked about how they allowed that to become a chip on their shoulder, and he would prefer... That they yeah, can like be it. written off. They like Hard it. Hard to do it when you're five and three. Right. Hard to pull it off when you are in the thick of things now in the AFC. You were left for dead in your division. Now you are in the thick of things, and this could be a dangerous team in the postseason if they can keep it close. It was it was an aberration against the Browns in the playoffs last year when it was twenty eight nothing before you knew it, or whatever it was, it was over. That, that grind it out. Keep it close. Trust your defense. Hope for a special teams miscue. Try to just kind of use your force of personality as Mike yeah, Tomlin to right. will the game your way. In a close game, it's far more likely. And it does help, Christopher, to have the officials on your side. I'll leave it up to you. Do we want to start with the horrendous low block penalty or the horrendous taunting call. Which one do you want? A dealer's choice. What I mean,
3: well, I don't even know where to start. There's so many. I mean, you know, it was a bad night when Steve Levy and company had to go. Hey, I mean, the first three quarters were so bad, and they were getting to the point in the fourth quarter. They're going, but this fourth quarter, they're they're making up for it, and almost on cue, they were like, "Wait, wait, we're the referees. We got to take over the game again. Got to take it over here." And then not take okay. it over when we should take it over. No, no, Mike. It's a it's an it's an issue in the league. I anybody who sat with me in the viewing room on NBC, it, the the roughing is all oh, over I hear the place. You. It's as I, bad. I as hear
1: th- the I hear the curse words. Yeah, I know, right. I, I'm glad that there are no small children watching the games with me here in West Virginia <laughs> when you're in the room. It's I heard you over and over again. Right.
3: I mean, I don't know, do you start with the bad low block penalty or do you start with the play right after that where Alonzo Highsmith takes a four steps, and then blindsides Justin Fields, but we don't call it because he's fast and strong and big. Like, let's see it all. Let's show all the greatest hits. We're going to forget the greatest hits because the third quarter was so horrible. Let's Let's go to the low low block. block. This this
1: is a new rule this year. No low blocks outside the tackle box because the NFL is concerned after years of not caring about knees and legs, the NFL is trying to protect the health of defensive players, it's a, it, it, I think it, I didn't know the foul was attempted low block. First of all, you have to make contact. Very um, suspect if that's outside the box. That's not outside yeah, the box. It's that's not what it's it was intended for. It's not outside the box. It's not outside the box. And I don't think he even hit him. He, he didn't. like stepped over him. No, no. I mean exactly right. It, it, it's 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 roughing the game too
3: much to the letter of the law. When it's like the refs right now have no common sense. I mean that's for
1: me what it's really come down to. It's no competition. Here's here's Tony Corrente yeah. talked about it after the game. here, I, I, And obviously, I, usually when I say that, we throw to sound. This is a problem I have with the NFL. The players and the coaches have to go in and answer questions from reporters right after a game about their mistakes. Why do we insulate the officials from that? If we want transparency, Tony Corrente should do a press conference after the game, not this pool report that – Every once in a while the NFL recognizes, yeah, we probably should make the guy available to one reporter yeah. in a closed room with no cameras or right. microphones. He was he was questioned by a pool reporter and he was asked about the low block and he said the new rule this year is there should be no contact below the waist to any player outside of the tight end box this player initiated low contact to a player outside the tight end box you know this is the Al Riveron approach and I hate to do it to Al because he's not there anymore but I think it's one of the reasons why he's not there all you do when you're confronted with a horrendous call you just say what the rule is And that you saw something that violated exactly what the rule prohibits. Right. right. To hell with whether or not that actually happened. Right. Well, the rule says you can't initiate contact below the waist outside the tight end box. And the player initiated contact below the waist outside the tight end box. The only thing about it that was accurate was that it was below the waist. There was no contact. And they were in the tight end box. Other than that, yeah, great call, Tony.
3: I, I agreed. I, I I don't know what to say. There were so many leading up to that, you know, but like, you know, the, first off, yeah, there's just no common sense being applied. Let alone, I saw a quarter earlier where Minka Fitzpatrick came in and took Jason Peters, I believe, legs out, and Jason Peters got up and caught, like, he was like, wait, we're 10 yards outside the tackle box here. They didn't call that. See, to me, it was almost like a makeup call for not – they knew they missed that egregiously, so it was like, wait, here's another one that's close. Oh, see, I do see this. It, it
1: just, to me – But it screwed the Bears both it times. It screwed the
3: Bears. But it, the Bears got screwed a lot of times, let alone they tried their hardest to screw themselves. I mean, that's was unreal. But, yes, a lot of those calls seemed to go against the Bears the whole night. I mean, there was definitely some questionable ones – and then some ones where you go bears are you serious have you played football before so that's where like it's it's a little confusing the whole conversation
1: let me pause here and climb up onto my soapbox because yeah, this is do. a prime example of a situation where a sky judge makes a difference because the sky judge brings into the officiating process the voices that we have at home What we see watching the game, you have somebody who is part of the crew who sees what the millions who are watching it on TV or on their phones or wherever or however see it and can bridge the gap. So last night, a sky judge could have said to Tony, pick up the flag. They were inside the tight end box or pick up the flag. In addition to being inside the tight end box, there was not actually contact that's what a good sky judge can do. Now, I feel like they're afraid to do it. They're afraid they're going to screw it up. But there are instances we can point to, and it seems like every week there are multiple games where you can say, if they would just had a sky judge and they worked it the right way, the sky judge could have communicated to the referee, either drop a flag or pick a flag up. It's that simple. And I know they're worried about, well, what if the sky judge sees holding away from the point of attack? Come on. That's part of what you tell them you're not we're looking for the stuff that becomes obvious on the broadcast the stuff that we that that the person at home is going to say that's not a penalty or that is a penalty or hey maybe they should review that 10man dive for the first down whatever it is that's what the sky judge can help with yeah so yeah so last night with that low block a lot of things a lot of things last night a sky judge could have helped with and and we wouldn't be talking about it today because it all would have been seamless it wouldn't have slowed the game down. And they would have gotten it right. And it would have been a true measure of who the better team was because it would have been the skills and abilities of the players and the coaches, not the skills and abilities and mistakes of the officials. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's exactly – that's very well said. I mean,
3: again, you know, this, the play we're talking about – and again, I don't know, if do we have the clip of the next play where we're protecting quarterbacks and I saw penalties called with way less egregious contact all year and they don't call it with Justin Fields the next, the next play. I mean, look at that. I don't know. I mean, I watched. I watched twenty roughing the passer calls this this past week. There were way less than that. Way less. Ball was gone three and a half steps at least. I, th- that to me bothers me. See, that to me was goes into the like the Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields. They're fast. They're strong. We're not going to call it on them. But if Tom Brady, I would have called it a. And step then on Tom Brady. I know. And then Tom. It's Brady. annoying, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers. He probably, hey, get, of course, he gets that call too. It
1: bothers me there. Anytime the defensive player does this right after contact. He knows it. That, that's that's the red flag to throw the yellow flag. There
3: was a necessary, I mean, a, a roughing the passer call on Mario Edwards. I think in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, that was less egregious than that on, on Big Ben Roethlisberger. Mike, what I came to last night is I think about you all the time. I go, they need to get a sky judge, and then within the sky judge, they need to get like, it's like the elite of the elite. It's like these are the 32 people we trust the most to really know the game and have a little common sense. Like if a pass rusher comes in and his fingernail touches the side of the quarterback's helmet, we're not going to call roughing the passer. That's not what the penalty and what the rule was intended to do. It was forcible blows to the head of the quarterback, not just being touched near the head now. There's just too much of that going on right now. It's letter of the law. It's, oh, wait, we called three penalties in a row. Now here's an egregious one. Let me not call it. I don't know. It was all over the place last night, let alone we haven't even gotten to maybe one of the worst ones we've seen it. all year. To.
1: Right. Let me let me say this, because right. somebody told me yesterday, somebody very experienced, very wise in the workings of the NFL said, and, and this is... Over and above Sky Judge, this is just the replay function because the replay function is still a mess, frankly. They that didn't get exposed much last night because it, it, you know, for example, they didn't have to review the Tin Man diving for the first down, right? But somebody said, yeah, and it's because it ultimately comes down to this: it comes down to dollars and cents. And when you're paying sixty-four million dollars a year for, b- for your public pin cushion, you can afford to, let's say, hire Mike Pereira, Dean Blandino, and Gene Steratore. Put them in their own setup in Indiana or Kansas somewhere. Not at 345 Park Avenue. There's still suspicion around the league that when it happens in the league office, you never know who else is in there telling the people in charge yeah, of replay what to do. Right. That suspicion right. is there. Right. So completely disconnect them from the league office. They're in their own place. You get the best of the best. All due respect to anybody else out there. Blandino, Pereira, Steratore. Yeah. They're the three. Even our guy last night. together... Tonight. Who together decide, hey, if you want... To, that's what I'm saying. John Perry, Terry McCauley, no offense, but the three names that pop up to the top... Yeah, those are guys are good, Pereira, too, though. Blandina, Right, Scaritore. I got you. Or, 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 the, or the other ones. Yeah. Where, you know, McCauley, do, do five. Get all five, or, right. Or rotate. Or the merrier. The the, the the reason those guys are in TV, one of the reasons those guys are in TV is the NFL doesn't pay the officials enough. So, so I, wait a minute. Let me, let me see if I understand this. I'm going to get paid a lot more money, and I'm going to be on TV... And I don't get micromanaged every week by the league office for every mistake that I make or don't make. Or, you know, we get our grades and it's all very stressful and, and, and I can avoid all of that. Okay, sign me up. Yeah. So the NFL needs to... Dean Blandino used this phrase with me a few years back after he left the league. They don't value the position of VP of officiating the way they should. That is the most tactful way possible of saying they are cheap.
3: Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, it goes – I mean, it got, I, I mean uh, honestly, and I'm not trying to even bring this up, I've been trying to say this since the flight gate. Let's have a guy there. It doesn't cost much to check the pressure of the football every week. It's not really that much. It's not a big deal. Uh, yeah, but last night, I mean, I think to your point, where you just want to see, listen, we want the penalties called. You want the egregious called. We, that, that's Yes, we know that. But at the same time, you don't want to see them overtake the game. And there was moments last night where you felt like they overtook the football game and, of course, cost the Bears points. The Bears lost by two. Tony Carrente cost them four points. I mean, period. End of day. I don't know. That's all you can really say. And that's that's upsetting as a fan. I can't even imagine if I was really gambling money covered. or anything like that. They're still
1: covered. You're not that upset. No, I am. Covered. I
3: am. You know, I, I really not. I, I I'm, I'm. It's not even about that. It's not. It really I isn't. Know. It's a bigger, broader topic. Uh, well, that, and that, and let's that be let's bother. be fair.
1: It's not yeah. as simple as saying give the Bears four more points. No, what you I have know. to Do I know? Is go back to that point and replay the game from that point out and see how it goes. But regardless, it was a major moment in the game. It was a major mistake, and. Uh, hey, Tony Kurani will get the you know the, the 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 check mark or the 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 whatever they do to downgrade an official. He'll he'll be held accountable for it internally. They never get held accountable for it externally, other than being relentlessly criticized on platforms like this. But they they should be press conferences where they have to answer. For themselves because the answers are unsatisfying. And if you thought his answer about the low block was unsatisfying, we'll get a load of what we're going to talk about next. Yeah. Cassius March right. with a pivotal sack of Ben Roethlisberger in the fourth quarter. Key moment, emotional game. Steelers clinging to a three-point lead with three minutes and thirty-four seconds left. There's the sack. There's Cassius March. The big kick this stand then then this is where in in you know the get off my lawn crowd john mara and company would say he crossed the line when he when he went over to the bench and and said something to the bench and or the punter he didn't say anything his mouth didn't well, move you could the, see it the, well but it's the it's that demeanor yeah it's the in your it look Look, I'm not defending it. I know. I'm just saying yeah, I get that if it. they're going to set up this ridiculous standard that tries to unplug the human heart from the human moment in a very inherently physical and demanding sport, if you're going to try to deprogram humanity, if you want these guys to be robots, if that's the rule you want, then yes, he violated it. So the the, the, the the better question is, and this is the way Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, articulated it a few weeks back. You are trying to take emotion out of an inherently emotional game. And I think ultimately you are trying to strip the humanity from the human beings who play it. And it's a step toward this idea that they are automatons. They're robots. It doesn't work that way. You can't expect them to go out there and give what they give to the game and have a moment like that, that validates all the effort, all the training, all the study, all the sacrifice. You're in a big moment. You make a big play for your team. And we don't know what the backstory is. We don't know what Steelers players may have been saying to that guy. He played all night, in Pittsburgh in for
3: a minute. So yeah. he's looking over you, there going,
1: look yeah. what I did. And you're going, yeah, you could have had me, baby. Right. That's you could have had is. me. Again. I, the, it's you, the, can't unplug, you can't unplug the human heart from the human body. And I don't know why they're trying to do it. And look. I spent time trying to get people to understand what they're doing. Not defending it, but like, look, folks, it's not taking away celebrations. You can still celebrate. The swing kick he did is fine. He crossed the line as far as the NFL is concerned when he glared at the sideline. But I think it's fair to now start asking why in the hell... Do you not? What, what's wrong with what he did? Nothing. Why is that on the wrong side of the Again, line? Again, that's where it's like common sense. Does anybody have it? That's a referee anymore? Well, no, no. But Chris, I'm going to disagree with you. I think Kareni called it the way they're telling him to call that's it. That's not. The it, we we why talked in about the hell
3: do they want it? Uh, it the, to me, the, that 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 is that is not the way it was explained to me. Or when we went in our NFL meetings, it was in your face. Like celebration, taunting of a guy who just got tackled. It was that. It wasn't. I'm um, 35 yards from the sideline. How do they know he wasn't looking at his mom in the second row? How do they know? How does does Tony know? Oh. Tony was behind him. Also, what I want to know is, I think it's a little fishy that Tony threw the flag after on, he got hang bumped on, by hang on, Cassius. Hang Marsh. Hang on. I know. We
1: want. We we'll get yeah, to that. We will get to that because
3: there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack lot. there. That rule was not intended for that. I'm all for letter of the law. That's not how it was explained to us by the NFL. They're I wrong I think that there. they
1: did mention that. I think they meant it taunting the bench. I oh, think my they God. Okay, I if he's at did. the
3: bench and he's over by the bench, he was by the hash marks. That, oh. that to me, is difference. Again, that's where Here's, I just go to, like, there, there's, there's, there's got to be a little more common sense here with that. I, I mean, you're like, right. Probably to the letter of the law, he's not wrong. I, I understand that. But I think if you got all the owners in the room and all the coaches that are in the committee, they'd go – That's not what we really wanted. At the bench, we mean like he caught a pass for a first down and he gets up and he spins the ball and he yells something to the bench. That's what they meant by the bench. They didn't mean doing that and going, oh my gosh, that's horrible. That's ridiculous. That's where you cross the line of everything you say. You're right. You're
1: totally taking emotion out of it if you're going to do that. Two points. One, Tony Carini was damn sure he was throwing that flag, and we'll get to that exchange in a second, which tells me that that's what he's been told by the people who supervise him, that that's what they're looking for. And here's his answer when he was asked by the pool pool reporter last night, what did you see after the sack by Chicago's Cassius Marsh in the fourth quarter that led to the taunting penalty being called? Said Carini. First of all, keep in mind that taunting is a point of emphasis this year. And with that said, I saw the player after he made a big play run toward the bench area of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and posture in such a way that I felt he was taunting him. I mean, there's a lot of assumptions that go into that conclusion. And like you said, for all we know, Mama Marsh was sitting in the front row. Oh, look at me, Mom. I mean, I didn't know. Look at what I did on national TV in a big moment for my team, going against a team that once had me and got rid of me. But, 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 the other side of that is, God what was the other point? There was another good point I was going to make and I lost it. Oh. I just completely lost it. I had two points to make. It usually happens to me. And I lost the other one and it'll come what back. What was it, the I've bumping of the referee after that? No, or? no, no, that's no. separate. That's separate. There was right. something in the moment of the taunting foul that beyond beyond the actual, you know, what do you? it'll come back to me. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. talk my way into it. Let's watch it again and maybe it'll come back to me. Because we see Marsh make the sack, we see Marsh have his moment. Do the thing that that guys get paid for. Yeah, do your kick. That's great. Uh, he's and, by and the I, hash just, mark. He didn't did he run? He didn't run. No! He didn't run to the he bench. He took three steps. He took three steps. Right. He's way that that's it's a horrible call. It doesn't get any worse. I really than that. wish I remember my other point because you know what there's a chance it was the best point I was ever going to make. Microphone. I'm I'm glad it's happening to There you. is it's a chance it could have been the best point. Let's hear from Cassius Marsh with the best point that he made <laughs> after everything transpired.
2: I think that uh that that one was just uh, bad timing. Um, it was I think It's pretty clear to everybody who saw it that I wasn't taunting. And, um, like, you know, I've been doing the celebration my whole career. And, uh, you know, it's just sad to see stuff like that happen in a close game like that. Um, It's just rough, man. I don't want to say too much because y'all know how it is. But on my way to the sideline, I got hip checked by the ref and it's it's pretty clear um if i were to do that to a ref or even touch the ref you know we get kicked out of the game and possibly suspended and fined so i just think that that was incredibly inappropriate it's, it's upsetting you know uh, i just think that it's uh um i think that it's unfair that you know they that he has the uh He has the ability to do that with no consequence.
1: Cassius Marsh is absolutely right. Now there may be a consequence. I remember a time a couple of years ago there were some officials suspended for different mistakes sufficiently egregious. I'm going to have to research that and remember what it was. Yeah, I think I remember. However, yeah, before I forget for the second time, my other point was this. And you know what? It's not. It's not. Thank you. It's not the best point that I was ever going to make. I was just trying to like start the lawnmower. That what we saw last night with the questionable taunting, the explanation from Tony Carrane, he ran toward the bench area. We never there was no running. No. You know, I mean there's none. There's this none. is the kind of subjectivity that is baked into the rules that opens the door for the fix to be in. And I will, I'll fight you. If you say the NFL fixes games, because, frankly, I don't think they're sufficiently competent to pull it off. No, per, No, right? definitely not. No, they're yeah. not competent enough Somebody to pull off talking. a fix. Somebody talking, right. Right, exactly. They'd have to. There would have. There would be more bodies floating in the East River than there already are from the uh, <laughs> How dare you out disrespect there. the New York City area like or, that, the, or the Hudson? Well, okay. I don't know where. They, oh, now you're gonna go they, over there and get involved, New Jersey, huh? Well, I thought right. you know what they they they, I, they grind them up. They grind them up in a meat market. In oh, so so oh now you, you're you're racist against the tri-state area now. What the hell's going on here? <laughs> so, um, so anyway, and it's not that the fix is in. Stuff like that allows people to say the fixes in. and That's right. And it's hard to respond to it when it happens the way it happened last night, especially when the icing on the cake is Tony Carrenti doing a little, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fall down here, doing this. What's this? Throwing the hip out. When Cassius Marsh is running by, what's he trying to do, draw a charge? What was that? Let's watch that again. We've uh, been yeah. saving it for now. What in the hell is Tony Correnti doing? Did did he think Cassius Marsh was going to invade his space? He hadn't even thrown the flag yet, okay. so Marsh had no reason no to running. be upset. Did a, no running to this point. Did a spin
3: kick and took three steps. Nothing. He still, why didn't he throw
1: the flag he, already? He, look, see, but, but watch this. Watch. Can we freeze it? Oh, I, can don't, we go listen, back to that? I don't buy Not it. Much, with watch. watch, wait, wait, watch. They I don't, a don't dance buy back it. in the 70s called the bump.
3: I don't he's doing buy the bump. It. I don't buy any of it. I don't buy his answer. Yeah. I'm calling him a liar. I don't really care. I don't buy it. I've seen Tony Correnti get personal with people on the field before. I've experienced it. I've seen it. I don't know what else to say. I mean, I don't mean to go after the guy, but I'm going after the guy. No,
0: it's, hey, hey it, I've seen it. I witnessed it, it, it personal.
3: I witnessed it personally.
1: How? Give me the story. What? Tell me, tell me, tell me. I got tell a, me. I got. Tell me I more, got I hit tell me late more. in
3: a San Francisco game, like late, like through the ball. I'm taking like four steps and I'm looking up in the stands and all of a sudden I get like, b- b- like cracked in the ear hole. And I get up and I'm like, that was a late hit. And I might have said the F word too. And then it was a third oh, down. Oh, might have. Yeah, might you know have. I did. So then <laughs> I run off the field. Usually, like when you come back from commercial breaks and there's stoppage time, the referee kind of gives the quarterback a warning, like, "Hey, call your play. I'm about to blow the whistle." Right? I, I he he will, he's not doing anything to me. I I'm now so it's like now we've got to through three commercial breaks, a quarter break, and he just blowing the whistle. Why? I'm like. We're all kind of just standing around, like, waiting for things to go, and he's starting the clock. So finally I go, are, are you going to warn me before you, you know, start the clock again? I mean, usually that's, that's protocol. And he goes, are you going to apologize to what you said to me earlier? And I, wanted to, I, I mean, I wanted to lose my crap, and after the game I wanted to call him out. If we won, I probably would have because it just showed me he got personal. He was going to take the game into his own hands there. That, to me, he could say whatever he wants. He should have thrown the flag five seconds before that if he really thought it was taunting. To me, there was something else that went in there that he didn't like either. I don't know what it was. It was
1: a pitiful call. It was a pitifully officiated football game. I don't know. Yeah. And Brian Greasy also said he had had interactions unspecified with Tony Corrente. That's unacceptable. It's it's unacceptable. They they are the ones who are supposed to be the robots, right? They want the players to be the robots. The officials definitely are supposed to be robots. Uh Uh-huh. It's that's to me that that
3: bothers me. And again, if you start to hear more stories like that, you know, to your point, we're now players and ex-players are going, man, he got personal. Like it bothered him. And You're gonna have more of the fixes in. Oh, I mean, it's just it's it's, to me totally unacceptable. Uh, A lot of calls during that game. I'm sorry. I I don't even. I didn't mean to go personal on the guy, but it just. No, it's fine. No, no.
1: Listen, listen. They need to be held accountable. And if that's an interaction that you genuinely had with Tony Correnti, it's relevant to this point. That that's an experience, a personal experience that overlaps with what we're dealing with here, where a guy... And that's the irony of it, and I think we're using the term right. I never quite know. The irony is that they're trying to strip the emotion out of the players when the game that they're playing is inherently emotional. And the officials who should be emotionless robots have whatever it is, vendetta, chip on their shoulder, you know, I'll show you. I don't know what he was trying to do, swinging his ass... In the direction of Cassius Marsh. I've never seen that before.
3: I, uh, I have never seen it either. I've never, and listen, I, I could also speak to, uh, you know, the Gene Sterritors of the world and those guys where, yeah, I mean, Ed Hockley it might have been a heated moment of the game and I might have sworn at them too. But they might, they give me a look like you're crazy. And then that was it. It was that, ne- I never felt like it was personal, you know, and then later on, he might have, that, that referee might explain to me, like, to, you know, especially uh gene territory he might you know explain to me why he didn't call that penalty that I mother effed them about a few minutes before there you know i mean so the, the, there's there's got to be a little bit of a trust there between the players the refs and yeah to me there was uh, some issues last night with the reffing for sure and it, a lot of it went back to the one guy it was him making the call or not making some calls at times where i just shook my head
1: well, uh, we're going to take a closer look at at all of this stuff. Um, I'm going to go I back like and see when. A, it down. I, I, and and we and here here it is. Hugo Cruz in 2018, a referee was fired mid-season in the Super Bowl era. He drew criticism for a missed false start in the Chargers' victory over the Browns in Week Six. Failed to throw a flag on L.A. tackle Russell Okung prior to a Chargers touchdown. The blown call against L.A. did not determine Cruz's firing according to ESPN's Kevin Seifert. Rather, Cruz was fired for not maintaining a high level of performance over a sustained period. But i th- that's a firing of an official during a season who just they're saying the guy isn't getting it done. There have been incidents where there's been some sort of a suspension. There's been something that's happened because of an incident. I just, I can't remember the specifics, but I'll go back and research it. Maybe I'll write something about it, PFT. But I can't remember a time where we saw what we saw last night. And I didn't notice it in real time. I, it, it happened so fast, and, and he was asked about it, and, and of course, let, let me, let's, let's put a bow on this. Kareni was asked, there appears to have been some contact between you and the player in question. Did that contribute to the penalty being called? No, not at all. I didn't judge that as anything that I dealt with. Well, yeah, you initiated the contact. The video showed you had brief contact with the player, and then you threw the flag, so that had nothing to do with the penalty being called. That had nothing to do with it. It was the taunting aspect. And you know what? It's entirely possible that the the reporter missed the the hip check too. That it was just cause at first it looked like Marsh was just close to Kerenny and accidentally brushed into him, but it was Karenny seeing somebody coming toward his space, maybe thinking that was disrespectful to Mesh with your point, you're disrespecting me. I'm gonna need an apology for this, and in the meantime, let's make sure that everyone knows you've invaded my space. Let's make sure there's some contact just when odd. you go by. I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe they'll fine you uh-huh. for making contact with me. I, I don't know, but I mean, yeah, that
3: I mean, those are the thoughts that kind of percolated through my tiny, small brain, but yes, that's what I was thinking there, too. And it's just, yeah, unfortunate unfortunate and you know we've already we've spotted again it doesn't mean the outcome would have been different I'm not trying to say that but we've spotted at least seven points here to talk about where the referees influenced the game
1: and uh, I think that's always disappointing all right uh, let's go ahead and take a break my god 49 I know. minutes we got going. we got five more to to do and we got plenty more to discuss when we return Odo Beckham Jr. officially released one team continues to be the one on which we should be keeping our eye. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-point at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be President of Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
2: The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star.
3: It doesn't take long for Darwin Minions to make an
2: impression. The hope of rewriting history of continuing a dynasty.
1: Unstoppable,
2: week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock.
0: For the world's greatest athletes.
2: This is the showdown we've been waiting for.
0: There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. To world record again. Goal for the United States. Unbelievable. And when that stage is Paris. Anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock.
1: Look at this, the Cozcob Crushers. Oh baby. Dynasty, right they there. They won. They won the GYFL. Right. What is GYFL? Greenwich for Greenwich Youth Football League champs.
3: Right. So, yeah. Yeah. There we go.
1: Thank. Thank God, it's not Greenwich Football Youth. Gfy! (laughs) Thank God that's not. That would be unfortunate. Is look at Philip? Is Philip wearing number two? I guess he is. That is. Philip doesn't look like you. Philip,
3: yep, he's got a little of his mom in him too. He's got his mom's big, beautiful smile, and then that's you know EJ's son, who of course is EJ Gentile Jr. And EJ, of course, makes Simsisms and does all the great graphics and funny things that we show on this show all the time. But yeah, big win for them. Uh, they got the victory, and uh, yeah, it was fun to watch. I got to see the first half of the game on Sunday before coming over here. That was a great gift from NBC to, to let me do that. That was awesome. So so what, what position does Phillip play? He plays quarterback, of course, and then he is a— Is he left-handed or right-handed? He's right-handed. Thank God he's like his, his grandfather and not like his father. So, yes, he's uh, he's right-handed. He had a few good throws in the game, and then he plays some corner on defense, and— uh, yeah, it was a tight game. Six nothing showdown. Defensive
1: struggle, Mike. So we're gonna have to do this whole Arch Manning thing in a few years with him. Is the kid good? Does he have it? We'll see. He 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 he's got like the love and the
3: drive, and he is a natural thrower for sure. So we'll we'll see where it goes from here. Uh
1: but he certainly hey, Phillip, loves the thing. Phillip, Phillip, if you want to make it. Don't listen to your dad. Listen to your grandpa. He's probably listening. That's the key. Yeah, he's probably listening right now. Usually, they're they got it on in the car on the way here, uh, the way to school. So he's probably hearing you talk right now. Well, that, that's good. Well, congratulations, Philip. Well done. Keep growing. Keep drinking milk. Drink a lot of milk. Listen to Jim Harbaugh. He drank a lot of milk. Willed his waves. <laughs> to do Don't listen to Jim two. Harbaugh.
3: That's one person we'll <laughs> stop in our mouth.
1: Tell your dad I said hi. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to it. Odo Beckham Jr. officially waived yesterday by the Cleveland Browns. The Giants will not be claiming him on waivers. They said so yesterday. That just would have been a, oh my gosh. a beautiful right? development. A spite claim of Odell Beckham Jr. on waivers. We didn't sign him to trade him. We signed him to trade him and then claim him on waivers when he was cut by the Browns. That would have been the Dave Gettleman quote. The Lions aren't going to claim him. They've got dibs, but one team that did not say no, didn't say yes, but there's mm, no. Pete Carroll, Seahawks coach. His team's got the cap space. Let's hear what he had to say about OBJ.
2: Do you intend to claim Odell Beckham Jr. and add him to your team?
3: Uh, you'll have to wait and see how we, how this all goes. But um, at this time, um, you know, I, I don't know. I've been on the practice field. I don't know what's going on with any, as you, as you would think um, we're aware of what's going on and we've been involved to, to understand it and competing to, to know what's happening. Um, and uh, we'll let you know as it, as it all happens. I gotta wait. So I didn't say yes or I didn't say no, but that's just cause you'll see.
1: <laughs> you'll see. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. Look, he I said this the other night, he wants to play for the Seahawks. And of all the contenders, although it's hard to call the Seahawks contenders yeah, at 3 right. and 5, they're getting Russell Wilson back. Their schedule is not overly daunting down the stretch. We'll talk I think we're talking more about yeah, we're talking more about Russell Wilson later, but he wants to play for Seattle and they do of all the con- non-contenders who have cap space contenders non-contenders whatever they're the best team let me put it that way they're the best team that has the cap space and they could easily absorb the 7.25 million for the rest of the year and we'll find out sometime after 4 p.m eastern we'll find out if anyone claimed him We'll probably find out how many total teams claimed him, although they don't release that information like they used to. They can leak it to their in house media conglomerate so we can all find out how many teams wanted OBJ. I put the over under yesterday at one and a half and took the over. I think there's going to be at least two waiver claims for Odo Beckham Jr. You I think just, there I will just, be. I think that look, there's thirty one teams yeah, out there. Right. I mean, come on, the guy the guy has shown in the past how good he is capable of being. Sure. There's plenty of teams with cap space to burn, and this is an entertainment business. You bring this guy to town, you're going to sell some jerseys right out of the gates. You're going to attract some attention for your team. You're going to maybe get some more asses in the seats, and this is the time of year where the asses start to do other things on Sunday afternoons, frankly. Uh, So yeah, I could see at least two teams saying we're going to give this a shot. I, I, I I'll be interested to see there I, I
3: lean a little towards the under part of that one there just because i I just feel like hey there's a reputation with obj and i I gotta feel like teams you know you better know I guess what I'm saying is if you're gonna like put a claim in you know on waivers for Odell Beckham jr you better have a good a feel that he's willing to play for your football team because that, that that to me he's I think got to the point of his career where he's probably like uh, I, I've had enough. I'm going somewhere where I'm set up for success and gonna, you know do this his way. Uh, at least that's the way it looks a little bit here. Uh, but but the Seattle thing, Mike, is interesting to me. It really is. You know, first off, I look at Seattle and go, out of all their problems, I don't look at wide receiver as being the problem. I don't. They have other problems. I'd go, well, that makes sense to address. offensive line, maybe corner. You know, maybe another defensive lineman, sure. Wide receiver. I mean, Mike, we we made we've been making fun of them for the fact that it's like they don't know they have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf on their team. I mean, they have a hard time getting them the football. You know, let alone, you know, they don't throw the ball a lot. And that's like the next part of this I wanted to bring up is like, is Seattle going to change the way they play? That's
1: where I would tell Odell Beckham Jr. Like, be careful. They want to hey, run the ball and hey, play may, defense. May, Hey, you don't know how involved Russell Wilson is or isn't in this. I know. This you're right. this is his last ditch. Maybe this is his, hey, if you want to keep me beyond this season, this is what you have to do. Maybe. Maybe, This Mike, is what maybe. you need to do. Maybe maybe Pete Carroll came to the, the realization
3: after that game they lost uh, a few weeks ago where he kind of said, like, man, Russell Wilson. Yeah, maybe that's where he came to it. Maybe they are going to open it up. They need to do something. I know that. And the other thing though Odell is that and I think you, we've talked about this a little, like, Seattle's scary too. I know it's maybe going to be a one-year thing, but if you're looking for a future there, you know I think we both agree Russell Wilson's future in Seattle to me is very dicey, very from you, anybody you listen to that he's talked to last off season. So you line those things up, I, that's to me where I'm a little surprised with the Seahawks conversation.
1: But but you know I remember we had the conversation in the aftermath of the Seahawks losing at home to the Saints, right? And Pete Carroll saying. Basically, I wouldn't be here if yeah. we didn't have Russell right. Wilson. He he had his epiphany right. of how important it is to him and his career and his accomplishments that he's had Russell Wilson. So maybe this is now the moment where they're finally going. They've had two weeks to get it ready. Run the offense through Russell Wilson. We've been saying that for the past couple of years. It's not like Kansas City and Mahomes. It's not like Buffalo and Josh Allen. They don't run the offense through Russell Wilson. They wait until seven minutes left in the game, and the, the, you know they're 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 in a tough spot. And Russell, can you bail us out? As after they do the grind it out, grind it out, grind it out, ground and pound, try to win that way. Then Russell, save us if we're losing. If we're working, it's great. If we're winning, it's great. If we're losing, then we need you. Maybe maybe that really was a moment where maybe. Pete Carroll woke up to what he needs to do with his quarterback. And and look, against the Jaguars, a lot of football is thrown, too. Yeah, they tried to get Tyler those Lock guys the ball. DK yeah, they gap.
3: finally did. Exactly right. And, of course, it, it led to some big plays, and it changes their team. So, uh, I, again, for the team that they are, I, I think we would both look at them and go, wait, they're not going to win with their defense this year. That's not going to happen. They're not going to get to the playoffs and make a playoff run because of their defense. That's not going to happen because of their run game. Oh, okay, that's right. You have a superstar quarterback and two superstar receivers. You better start riding them. That's, that's to me where Seattle drops the ball, and uh, I'm going to be interested to see if they make this adjustment here as
1: as Russell gets back and gets healthy. So, Look, nothing Pete Carroll said takes any steam out of this possibility that it's going to be right. the Seahawks not just signing him as a free agent but claiming the contract on waivers because the Seahawks are in a pretty good position at three and five. It's not like they, you know, they're one of the last ones where it doesn't matter. There may be some teams with a better record than them that would be interested, and uh, maybe one of those teams, you know, would move some money around to try to create the cap space, even if they don't currently have it, and then make that waiver claim and they have him. So uh, we'll keep an eye on on that. I I uh, I think that it would be a sign that Russell is using his voice, they're listening to him, and they're willing to give him something he wants, almost like Randall Cobb coming to Green Bay. They're willing to give Russell Wilson something as a gesture, as a token, as a capitulation that would hopefully get him to choose to stay because Pete Carroll got a glimpse for a few weeks of what life would have been like over the last decade without Russell Wilson. And that it may have been like a Christmas Carol type thing. And I do not intend that pun at all. It just happens to work. You know, Marley's ghost came in the form of Geno Smith, and that that caused Pete Carroll to uh to change very dramatically his attitude on how he's gonna run his football team. I don't think we can rule that out. No, I, I'm with you. I don't think you can rule that out either. He might have had that epiphany there to finally
3: go, wait I don't know what I think. We're not the legion of boom. We're not the team that we were seven years ago. Why am I still trying to play that way? And and maybe he did come to that realization, and maybe he realizes his future is a little bit, you know, stapled to to
1: Russell Wilson and his future with the football team too. So, And look, it would seem ordinarily way too early to be making a Christmas reference, but – I, I I went to the store the other day and they're already playing Christmas music. I mean, come Excuse on, me. man. Come on. Don't 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 I it's November. It's early November. I know that why? Why Christmas music now? Why? I so I, I anyway, agree. I guess it's not too early to make no, a Christmas No, I agree. Carol you, got,
3: you got to, you gotta you gotta wait till after Thanksgiving. After Thanksgiving. Right. To me like, After Thanksgiving. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade starts off. Kicks off like the holiday season. You're right. They're, they're cheating now. There's too many, too many businesses cheating and trying to get people to buy Christmas stuff right now. It's got, got, got to challenge start. Fight. Got to hurry
1: up. I don't like. Got it. to buy <laughs> the. Got to buy the uh, GI Joe with the kung fu grip, as they said in Trading Places. Got to get the Christmas presents now before you can't get them. Because you know, I, I like how they're trying to scare the consumers too with all the supply chain issues. Go spend your money now. Go spend your money now. All right. Uh, go spend some of your money during this commercial break and God help us everyone. Uh, More PFT live right after this. God help us everyone. Not God bless us, everyone.
0: At bet three, six, five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three point at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line.